at the end of that tape when I picked my jaw up off the floor and I said, if they can screw us this bad here, what the heck else is happening that we don't know about? That's where I started. And he'd say, the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. So what I'm doing here is very selfish oriented. And I protect it, and the best way I can protect it is to help other people find theirs, and then we become a group of strong individuals and not a herd of weak animals, okay? And that's their fear, is us. They've got one fear. They've got plenty of money, plenty of influence, even some power that they can buy and control, but they're scared of one thing, and that's us collectively. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have the great Roger Sales coming to the program. He is a veteran of the radio industry. He used to teach people how to do this. He's been in the industry for, I don't know, 40 years maybe. People who've been around for a while know who he is. But he has decided, and he did this about 30 years ago, that he needs to get out of this matrix and he needs to become he claims we voluntarily agreed to be a serf or a slave. And I'm going to say, I push back, and this is where I push back, is that when it's done under fraud and their tricks, I didn't volunteer. If I am a slave or a indentured servant, I didn't volunteer to do it because there was fraud. And I think that if enough of us start to figure this out, we can turn this whole thing around because the whole system is based on fraud. It's all BS. We shouldn't have to spend our whole life trying to figure it out before we get it and then be scared that we need to follow the right process. Otherwise, we're going to be thrown in jail when the whole system's based on fraud. That's what I have a major problem with, and that's what we have to get sourced out. But when we're sitting here with a really criminal government and fraudulent World Health Organization and China shutting down their whole country and people committing suicide and all these things happening, France fixing their election, United States overthrowing and doing a coup in 2020 in our country. We have all that going on. These criminals are not going to admit to fraud. And most of them don't even know what the heck they're part of. And they're blackmailed and they're too afraid to do anything. But I have Roger Sales coming on. He has another way of looking at he claims he's proven this system and you can get out. It's more of an individual deal, whereas Anna Von Wright's and theirs with the assemblies is more of a system to set up assemblies and retake our government. His is more, how do you individually get out? I think both have merit. The important thing, though, is figuring out what way can you use where they won't go after you and and call you a criminal, even though everything's fraud and it's all BS, they can still do that until we have enough people that understand and we can overthrow this system. That being said, if you are a troll or if you're somebody out there who has another system who thinks it's better, please don't troll me. Please don't send me massive. Every time I do a show like this, I get like a hundred emails from everybody and under the sun claiming that whoever I'm talking to doesn't know what they're talking about. I hate it. I really hate it because this is for informational purposes only and that you need to look into this and figure things out. I really believe that this is the angle that we have to go with common law and we have to take back our government, but I don't want to be harassed by a hundred people telling me that so-and-so doesn't know what they're talking about and you do. You're the magic person that knows everything. So please just refrain from doing that. If you're a troll, just go somewhere else. 
Okay, so this is going to be a long, long show. This is going to be in three parts. Each part is long, like 50 minutes long. And if I don't get enough views, then I'm going to air it for those who really do want to see it. I'll put it up on sarahwestall.tv and it'll be up there for a couple weeks for free. All my shows are up there for a couple weeks for free. Then they move behind the paywall and then you have to pay to see it. So you can still see this for free. Uh, if there isn't enough views, if you're really interested, I'm just going to watch and see how what the interest level is as we go into the next few episodes. Because the first episode will do really well, usually. And then the next couple, it depends on how interested people are in this. But you know what? Roger is really interesting to listen to. So I expect it to be public. But who knows? We'll see. Before we get into the show, I want to talk to you about the new collagen that we have on controlyourhealth.care. And it's absolutely amazing. It has five different types of collagen peptides. Most collagen that you get only has one or two types. It says five. And so it works with your hair, skin, nails, joints, and the immune system. It promotes healthy cartilage, nails, hair, stomach lining, promotes immune system support, healthy joints, healthy skin, and healthy bones. And the really cool thing about this is that everything comes from grass-fed beef, wild-caught salmon, cage-free chicken, and eggshell membranes. It is safe and it's good for you because everything is so meticulously sourced. I love the companies that I work with here. I love this company. And so you can get it in two different versions. Their original collagen peptides or now they have yummy gummies, as they say. So if you're a gummy person, you can get that as well. So go to controlyourhealth.care and you can see this amazing product for yourself. Okay, remember, go to my website, sarahwestall.com. You can also see these collagen peptides under my shop page. And so please support my affiliates. That's how I support the show. And while you're there, read these two articles that I did. I, I've been writing all sorts of articles, but there's two really important ones that I put up there. One is on the World Health Organization. Everybody's been talking about the treaty, the pandemic treaty that they've been doing that will take effect in 2024. There's a much more urgent situation where they're coming together May 22nd through the 28th, and they're going to vote on amendments that the United States, we are, I'm not going to say me, but our country, Biden's resources put together for the who and what it is, is amendments so that we essentially, it's what the, a lot of what the pandemic treaty is going to do, but they're going to do it sooner. And they will be in charge of the world healthcare when it comes to a pandemic. They wrote it into these amendments. You got to see, I have uh, in this article that I have on my front page, it explains it and then links to more information about it. But this will go into effect November 2022. People are saying, yeah, but our Congress didn't approve this and all these things. Yes, we did approve it. We approved the procedures that are used when people put new amendments to the WHO. And then you have 18 months to either opt out or go along with it. Well, they reduced it to six months. So we have six months to either opt out of our own amendments or go with it. And so if we don't do anything, then we automatically go with it. So we have six months there after they put this forward in May to opt out of it. Then what happens is we either defy the WHO and just don't listen to them, or we have to get out of the WHO altogether. It's a very serious situation. This is their globalist power grab to take over the world. 
you know, just like they do with banking and everything. There's a lot of things they're doing, but they're going to do this with healthcare. Look at what China is doing with shutting down their country. People, more people are committing suicide. It is this horrific thing going on in China. And I think this is what they want to do in the United States. Also, Italy is going to do a trial on their social credit system. And so that's, they had just announced that. That's another article I have up there. That's another thing they want to do to us. We don't fight back. That's coming here, folks. That's coming to the United States and it's coming soon with these Biden people and all these nut jobs that are in office. The next thing that I put up, I spent a lot of time writing this article and talking to people in Minnesota, but it's important for every state, but this is happening specifically in Minnesota when it comes to the child welfare system. There are volunteers that volunteer to be child advocates in the court system, and they're called guardian at Latum volunteers. And they also have people who are hired by the state to be that as well. But these volunteers typically only have like one or two cases, and they really get involved with their kids. They make sure that they talk to the teachers, they go to the court cases, and they, they're the advocate for the kid. They make sure the kid is safe and doing well. Most judges follow their recommendation, and they're usually professionals who want to give back, who go into the communities. Now, Minnesota wants to get rid of them. There's 200 of these people who are on backlog. They haven't been bringing in new ones since 2019, and they want to just hire people, and they want to give them over 115 kids per person. $21 an hour is all they're paying these people, and getting rid of these professional, most of them professional, older people with experience who are these volunteers and they just getting rid of them. And the sad part is this is how the human traffickers take advantage of kids. That's how these kids fall through the system because when they have so many kids they're trying to track, especially when they're low paid employees, I mean, you know, not all of them are bad. A lot of them are really good, but at $21 an hour, most of those people move on and get something better you know, that they can support their families with. And the ones who are dying, you know, there's good teachers, they're good people in this area as well. And they don't care how much they make. Maybe they're married to somebody who makes a lot of money. I don't know. Maybe they're independently wealthy. But most of these people, most people can't afford that kind of salary. So they don't get the best people. And, but they give them a workload that's absolutely insane. And so this opens up huge trafficking opportunities And Minnesota has been doing this system for over 40 years, and now they want to get rid of it. Very scary when we have all these immigrants coming up and these human trafficking problems. Minnesota used to be one of the largest, had one of the largest human trafficking, sex trafficking, pedophile rings in the country. And when they started this volunteer program originally, they ended up moving out. It was in 86 they started it. In the early 90s, that large ring moved their home base to Utah instead. And I think these volunteers had something to do with it because traffickers don't want to be anywhere near a kid who has a mentally sane, really balanced advocate, somebody who's going to say, what the heck, and is going to go to town for the kid. They don't want anything to do. They want kids who are not tracked and have no one that cares about them or has a low, you know, low paid employee with 115 other kids they have to take care of because they're going to get lost in the system. That's what's going on in Minnesota. So this is an article I wrote. I talked about the bill that they're putting through with the uh, Congress in Minnesota. I just want you to be careful because these kinds of things could come to your states. Also, if you have don't have this volunteer program in your state, 
You need to get it. And you also need to volunteer yourself if you have time or other people. This is a direct way you can help the community is a volunteer in this way and help the child out of this. Make sure trafficking doesn't happen. It's such a rewarding thing to do for people. And the people that I work with locally in Minnesota, they just absolutely love it. I mean, they're so passionate about it. Uh, they don't like what they're seeing with their children, but they care so much about these kids. And they and people get really involved and dedicated because they know they're making a difference in the lives of children. In fact, 50% of the kids that work with these volunteers don't go back into the welfare system, the child care system. They are uh, they age out of it and they're taken care of or they can create a healthy situation with their family or another member of their family. And these volunteers make such a huge difference. So anyways, go to my website and look at those articles. Please share my articles. Those are so important. It's so important that some of those, that information gets out. Okay, now let's get into this three-parter with Roger Sales. Hi, Roger. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sarah. It's really a pleasure to be here to meet you and to have this conversation today. Well, it's taken a while. We've been talking about having it for a while, and I am glad to have you here. I have been talking to various people about this topic, but you have it from a whole nother perspective. And I've been told you're somebody I really need to talk to. And I've been watching some of your shows and I've been very intrigued. And I, you're going to probably change our world is what you said. So let's see what, first of all, what got you into doing this? I mean, where did you kind of say, okay, I, I need to figure this out. That's a really good question. <laughs> uh, I'm a child of the 60s, and uh, back in those days in revolution and Vietnam and assassinations and free love and drugs and all that stuff, I just always kind of knew there was something wrong. I had a sixth sense about it. And, and then for a number of years, I looked at TV and yelled at announcers and stuff like that. And then uh, in 1992, on July the 16th, I even got the exact date, I was uh, working some network marketing uh, deals because I was teaching at the time at the Art Institute of Atlanta, and I had a lot of extra time on my mon on my hands and not enough extra money like a lot of people. And so I was doing this uh, networking stuff, and one of the guys I worked with came up to me and said, income tax is illegal. And I reacted the same way probably most of you do when you hear that. Oh, sure, right, sure, sure. And I said, but you know, I'm open-minded, and, and I'd love to find out more. And they go, we got a tape. We got and I said, well, get me the tape. And it took a couple of weeks. The tape was in Virginia. By the time it got to Atlanta, and I watched it on July 16th, I got to watch half of it. That was the night you may or may not remember Bill Clinton's first acceptance speech. Uh, I was kind of a political animal back then even. And so I thought, well, I'll stop this tape as interesting as it is and watch this acceptance speech. And you, you may again remember that it was over two hours long. It was the longest acceptance speech in American political history. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't uh, get to watch the rest of that tape that night. I had to work the next day, I think. I was teaching at the time. And then I must have had something going on Friday night because I didn't get a chance to see that until Saturday morning. So it's one of those deals where you wake up in the morning and you sit straight up and bed and don't even need a cup of coffee, right? And I'm wide awake and I bolt down the stairs and throw that video in. And I watched the second half. It was a guy named Al Carter. Some of your old timers might remember him. And uh, at the end of that tape, when I picked my jaw up off the floor and I said, if they can screw us this bad here, what the heck else is happening that we don't know about? That's where I started. 
that makes sense. And that's a good question. What else more don't we know about? And, and sadly, that's what I've been covering for a long time. But I think a lot of people like me have got to the point where I don't want to participate in a criminal organization that hurts people to the degree that it does. And I have another guy who is on my case nonstop saying, telling me that I am a bad person, if you will, because I pay my taxes and I support this criminal country. I mean, literally, this guy is stalks me and tells me how bad of a person I am. And the thing is, is that after a while, you kind of start feeling like that because you start to learn a lot more stuff. And I don't think the United States is any worse than anybody else. I just think that there's a whole worldwide system of incredibly bad things going on. And and so I just want to figure out how we can start to wind this back and fix it. And I, I'm just so happy that there's people who've been around for a long time like you, not to say that you're maybe you're younger than, I mean, I don't know, you're, you've got the wisdom of age, let's say that. And we need to use that. People who've been spending their whole life trying to figure this stuff out. So, okay, so tell us what it is that you are most focused on. And you have such a great way that you do this. So start in on what it is that you do. I focus uh, my, uh, you know, I'm, Roger Sales is the name and your freedom is my game. <laughs> is that short and succinct enough? That's pretty awesome. Okay, I so mean, I it. want my freedom. And, okay, uh, and go the, ahead. Okay, well, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give, I'm gonna, let's say I'm not, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the way of you, if you want it, that you can achieve it. Okay, because it's an individual decision. Um, as my teacher said, John, his name was John W. Benson. I got two teachers, very important. I consider John Benson my second father because he gave me a second life, really. And uh, uh, the other gentleman, uh, John's deceased, unfortunately. What a mental, legal mind. Uh, the other gentleman is, is still alive, is a, a dear friend of mine. We don't communicate as much as we should. And his name's Glenn Ambord. Um, you ever uh, remember a National Football League player that played for the Dallas Cowboys named Roger Staubach? Does that name ring a bell with you, Sarah? I don't know if you're sports-oriented. I'm into sports, but not football. Well, I like to play it more than I like to follow it. Okay, well, Glenn, uh, Glenn, Glenn tutored him through Annapolis to the Heisman Trophy to be able to do that. So he's a really fascinating guy. Uh, he uh, is uh, just bright as as the brightest bulb in the jar, and those were the two guys that mentored me. Okay. Okay. And so, as John used to say from the stage in his uh, when we give a seminar. And he'd say, the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. So what I'm doing here is very selfish oriented because I've had my liberty since 2007, actually a little bit before that, but technically but in 2007, and I'm very jealous of it and I protect it like Patrick Henry said, protect that jewel. Okay. And I protect it. And the best way I can protect it is to help other people find theirs. And then we become a group of strong individuals and not a herd of weak animals. Okay. And that's their fear is us. They've got one fear. They got plenty of money, plenty of influence, even some power that they can buy and control, but they're scared of one thing. And that's us collectively. 
Okay. Okay. They're scared to death of us because there's billions of us and only a couple of thousand of them. And they know history a lot better than we do. And they know how that ends up every time. And that's what we've got against them. What our process does here, Sarah, I'll show you, tip up the edge of the carpet and show you underneath here a little bit. What we do here is we literally put them in checkmate. They're in checkmate and they've only got one move left. And the only move they've got left is to totally take the mask off and be open tyrants. And they'll never do that unless they've got total control like they did in Bolshevik Russia because they know the repercussions. There's more of us. And it's a numerical thing. That's why the, one of the reasons they want to get rid of us so bad. Okay. Yeah, they do. Right now so, we're in a very uh, sad let situation. Me, let me tell you this. Ooh, well, well, hopefully it's darkest before the dawn. I, I'm going to tell you one thing. I have a number of people occasionally will come back to me and go after they get their arms around this a little bit, and they'll go, thank you, I've got hope for the first time in a long time. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Okay, and so that's what we do. And the first thing to do is tell you what they've done and how they've done it and give you some tools to undo it and get back control of your thinking, your life, and bring yourself back into reality. And that's where you got to start, okay? So let me tell you what they've done. You remember uh, the Jim Crow laws, Sarah? I do, but what specifically about it are you referencing? Just in general, just in general, yep, we have yep. blacks and whites, separate facilities, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, what they've done in a, just a real general conceptual statement here is they have fraudulently put us all into this political status of Jim Crow, the black status, and then they've tricked us to get us to agree with it and give them consent to govern us. So what do you mean they okay. put us and in the black status? Well, I'm going I'm to tell you all that. I'm just okay. telling you for a general, you know, they say a good talk. You tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. Okay, right? cool. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to explain to you how they've done that. But that is, in essence, the simplest way I can put it of what they've done. Uh, they did that by utilizing the bankruptcy in 1933, by the way, and I can prove that to you too, very simply. But as you get your arms around this and get command of all these things, a lot of you are going to get exposed to stuff you're not really familiar with. And that's part of their advantage here. Okay. Really is that I, I theorize on my program and to my students and openly now that because we understand the end game now, now we can see the whole picture, and I can sit there with the 13th and the 14th Amendment, and I'm telling you they were written before 1860, and the reason the Civil War was fought was to get those two amendments into the Constitution so they could control the world with it 100 years later, and that's what's happened. Well, I've heard okay. that— This goes back that far. Well, I've heard that they, they plan things on 500-year increments, and they act on 50-year increments. Is that? That's probably true. Okay. Probably true. I think you could probably take a th that thumbnail and put apply it to this, but you got to know the information first. Okay. So let's let's plow into that. Um, there was a couple of very important stories here recently. I sent you one of them. The other one, I wonder if you heard about. I don't have an article about it, but I heard from people that were in the uh, administrative hearing in Idaho. Uh, baby Cyrus, you remember the baby Cyrus thing about a month ago? Yeah, they took the little okay. baby away. I don't remember. I Correct. haven't been following it. 
Okay, well, they had an administrative hearing on it, and the, in the administrative hearing, the administrative judge, which evidently oversees CPS cases, got up and, and said, uh, baby Cyrus is the state of Idaho's property. Oh, my gosh. Now, the other one that's not quite as recent as that was last fall out of England, and I did send you the article and some of the information I sent you. is common. It's on summitnews.com. Okay. Uh, and uh, was over there. Mother had mother has the child. Mm-hmm. They're uh, testing PCR tests of, of infants for COVID. Huh. And of course, it's very painful. The baby's squalling. The mother objects and the nurse nurse turns to the mother and says, you can't object. This baby's our property. <laughs> Did you see that story? Uh, no, but I've, well, I've heard, you know, I heard it because I was listening to your other show and I was okay. like, okay. gosh. Okay. Well, there's the matrix, and if you don't you see, you, 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 every virtually every one of our radio talk hosts covered that story. But there they is the origin of the matrix. The matrix and the remedy is all right in front of you in that story. But if you don't know the underlying facts and what's going on underneath, you'll never see it. Mm-hmm. That's how well this stuff's hidden. Okay, so what is it about that? Well, the fact that when you're assigning a political status at birth, which makes you some the object of someone's property rights, okay, then something's going on, wouldn't you admit? Well, I think those okay. are actually good and stories. Little... Well, those are good stories that hit the media because it starts to make people realize that what you're saying and what all these people are saying and what, we're, what I've been covering is true, and it makes people like me go, oh, we right. got to figure out how to get the hell out of this. But go ahead. Well... Well, you can't understand how to get out of it if you don't know what you're in. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So what are you in with that's happening? Okay. The only That is assigning a political status at birth. Now, there's two mechanisms at work here. One, assigning you a political status due to where you're born. Okay. That's one of them. The other is a silent contract that's working in the background, and it is a contract that runs generationally. So where do those two things come from? The feudal system. So if you don't know anything about the feudal system, you'd never identify what's right on the surface of those stories as feudal actions in a feudal system. Okay? And if you understood the feudal system, and we'll get into that more, there was a thing called voluntary servitude where you could volunteer in and you could volunteer out. And it ran multi-generationally because it ran through the generations. And if it was your great-great-great-grandfather that had volunteered into a condition of servitude over on the old manor, and everybody liked it there pretty well, so five generations later, you're in that same condition because it runs generationally silently, but you want to volunteer out, you still have the option to volunteer out, even though it was your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather that volunteered in. And there's the answer to our remedy. We can volunteer out of the condition at any time because we're in voluntary servitude. And they've got to recognize it because that's the system they've built. Because they can't do, tell me if I'm right, because they can't do slavery. They can only do voluntary slavery, right? That's correct. That's right. See, everything's got to be voluntary in this world. If it's not voluntary, it's open tyranny. And they'll do anything not to be open tyrants because historically the people rise up and hang them. They didn't do it often enough, obviously. Okay. But that's what's going on here. You don't need any law. You don't need any history. You don't need any court cases. Everything's got to be voluntary. If it's not, it's tyranny. 
Can you? Is that pretty clear cut? Well, I think it's tyranny now I mean, because it's, words, it's if, not voluntary because well, they're doing fraud on no, people. No, it is voluntary. Well, I, only through it fraud. Is voluntary. It is based on fraud. Yeah, but only through fraud. On, okay? So that's not here, technically here, voluntary. Okay, let me ask you the questions. I'm getting out of order on my stuff here, but that's okay. We'll, we'll tie it all back up, okay? So I'm going to ask you, and I'd like for the audience to follow along with this, and I'm going to ask you two questions. You've been asked these questions all your life, and Sarah, I know you're honest, and your audience does too, but I'd like to get your agreement that you'll answer these the way you always have. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Let's do it. Oh, okay. All right. Are you a citizen of the United States? Yeah, see, now I've had enough of these shows where I uh, I would say no. You right know the now. answers. You know where we're going. Yeah, I know okay, I, I know enough to be dangerous. I don't know enough to actually solve my problems. <laughs> but, okay, let's, okay, a, let's so, answer it okay, like I would have a year ago or, a couple, let's say, like three years ago. Yes, I'm a citizen. Okay, are you a resident? Uh, yes. And then you sign something. You always have to sign something when they ask you those questions generally. All right. Now let me rephrase those questions and ask you the way that legally and lawfully they're asking you. Are, are you in the same condition as black slaves after the Civil War who were given federal citizenship with civil rights? No. Oh, you didn't answer it the same way. <laughs> Well, I'll be darned. Okay, now let's go to the second one. Are you a new federal citizen residing in a state requesting protection from the federal government against any potential actions against you by your state? No. Well, then you had gummit, Sarah, then you would volunteer out of slavery instead of in. Is that what you're telling me? If you really knew what they're asking you? Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't even know that I was volunteering in slavery. I'm, like, clueless. <laughs> Well, you weren't. No, you were already put into it at birth. That's yeah, why they said exactly. this baby's our property. But now what you're doing after you're 18 is you're being asked the questions, are, is this you, are you in this condition, and do you agree with it, and do you give us the consent of the governor? And you said yes, not knowing what they ask you, and then sign something. Yep. So you consented to their fraud and consented to their governance. And because you did that, along with everybody else, I'm not uh, obviously singling you out here, Sarah, that's where their power comes from. All their power, and you mentioned we talked, and we were talking before the show about the people that are scared to move forward. The people that are scared to move forward is because they've been conditioned to this power they've given them and them turning around and using it on you. All you got to do is withdraw your consent, and now they've got no legal or lawful authority to do that to you and on you. And if they do, they lose their cloak of immunity and protection, and they become personally liable for their actions because they're acting outside of their delegated responsibilities. All of these administrative agencies, this whole system is geared, all the laws and all the regulations are written for citizens of the United States and residents. And if you're not one of those... They got nothing on you. Nothing. Okay. So all you got to do is tell the right person you're not one of those anymore. They can't say no. It's not their decision. If they say no, they're open tyrants. It's your decision. You decide which system of law you want to live under, not them. And you got to use the right language, right? And that's what we don't use. And that's what I think people are scared you of. You got to be really specific. 
Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to go into right now. I'm going to show you where the trap is and how they've done at least part of this, not the legal and the fraudulent side, but how they've enslaved you in your mind. And it's very instructive for people. And it also gives you a remedy because now you can go back and undo this. All right. There's a great Bible verse in the New Testament. It's James 1.8. All this is very spiritual, by the way. As James 1.8, and it says a double-minded man is uncertain in all of his ways. Not some of his ways, not part of his ways, all of his ways. So what in the world, Sarah Westall, is double-minded? Well, that's when you're assigning two different concepts to one word, okay? And you're technically, you're separating your conscious and your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind controls 90% of your day. It's the things that regulate your heartbeat, your breathing, et cetera, and a lot of other things. And your, your conscious mind is only 10% of your consciousness in your day. Okay. So what they do is they go back in and they take these key words. Everything is off key is off words. Okay. Mm-hmm. And at my, my, I have a book, it's titled sovereign to surf. I don't, I'm sorry. I put sovereign in there, but we had to change the title at the last minute, uh, sovereign to surf tr- government by the treachery and deception of words. And that's, what's going on here. Okay. Right. That's a very accurate statement. So yeah, a minute ago, uh, I would, I was asking you those questions. Let me ask you a couple of more and I'm going to, this is called equivocation. It's got a word for it. Okay. And you can actually go into the dictionary and look it up and it'll give you a, dic- a, a, de- a dictionary definition of equivocation. And when a listener called in, told me this one time, I didn't, you know, some of the biggest tips I've gotten have been from listeners. God bless you. Okay. Honestly. And so. Uh, it's equivocation. If you go into Webster's 1828 dictionary and look under equivocation, when I did years ago, they told the definition of the word, you know, equivocating. That's when you're vacillating between two different options. Yeah. Well, in their equivocation, it's always 180 degrees in the opposite direction. That's why everything always appears opposites. This is the base foundation of their whole game plan. All right. And that's why it's advantageous for it. I'll get you that answer in a second. So what they do is they take a word and they assign a total opposite definition. In other words, we use currency. Uh, We use what we call money is actually currency. It's debt. Well, money is real gold and silver, but yet we call debt money. There's an equivocation. There's an opposite direction and a, a not tied in your mind because then we get the connotation and part of our thinking that it's real, but the other part of our good knows it isn't. But those two are in conflict. See, it's a conflict between your conscious and your subconscious mind when they split these definitions. All right. And there's a number of them. All right. Resident, citizen of the United States, money. I mean, I, I could go on and on. There's just a couple that come off the top of my head. Well, I think you're right. But I also have a problem. I have a big time problem with this. And I'll have to remedy this, figure this out before I completely understand things. Is I don't understand the voluntary part. Because if it's fraud, it's not voluntary. Okay. So, I'm going I'm to explain You know what I mean? I'm going to okay, explain it to going. you. But let me get... It's yeah, I do. And I'll get it to you. I'll get to it. Okay. Okay. Let's get this out of the way first. All right. And we can get into that because that's feudal system stuff. Okay. All right. So they've gone in and assigned opposite definitions in your subconscious. When I, when they say, are you a citizen of the United States? You automatically said yes. You and everybody else, by the way. Mm-hmm. And what the question should have been is, are you a citizen of the United States or are you a citizen of the United States of America? Because those two things are totally opposite. They're totally 180% different, but they only ask you one side of it. 
Okay. When they ask you, are you a resident? You don't have to have to even go to a law li- uh, dictionary or library here. You can go to Webster's Collegiate Dictionary and look under the word resident. It's got several definitions. The first two are number one is the act or fact of living or dwelling in a place for some time. Well, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. The second one is the exact same thing. The act or fact of living or dwelling in a place for some time for the receipt of a benefit or the discharge of a duty. That's legal. Mm. Benefits and duties are legal talk. Okay. So when they ask you, are you a resident? And you think, yes, I live over there. And they're asking you, what system of law do you live under? And you answer, yeah, I I live over there. And they go, oh, that means you're under our system of law then. See how the game's played? Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's irritating. Yeah. Of course it is. Now, here's the remedy to it. What you've got to do if you want to go forward on this and have that total understanding is every time every time you get a, a dog bark and you give him a bone. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Every time you come across one of those words, you go in and untie it in your mind and assign the correct definition. And when you do that, now your subconscious and your conscious are working in tandem. As, as Dr. Bruce Lipton said one day on Joyce Riley, when that happens, it's empowering. Okay. And you get a little bit of slice of reality back. And as you go through that and untie the knots, because this is something you got to do. I can't do it for you. Okay. I can tell you what to do. Uh, but every time you do that, you get a little slice of consciousness and reality back. And pretty soon by darn, you're living in reality again. Does that make sense? Okay. It does. Yes. Okay. So let's go back to this other bit here. You were asking about, you want to cover the voluntary part? Yeah. It, right, well, it bugs me. It bugs me because it, it, and, and you're not the first one, obviously that everybody says this, that you've agreed to it. No, not if it's fraud, I haven't agreed to it, but keep going. Tell me why I've agreed to it. Well, that's, well, if that's it's why, fraud. well, that's why they, well, that's why they recognize this partially is because it is based on contract and a contract that's based on any fraud is, is a null and void ab initio from the beginning. Exactly. Okay? So that's another reason they've got to recognize this. All right. But here's another, let me throw another wrinkle at you. Fraud isn't fraud until it's discovered. What exactly is the fraud they've done? Well, I mean, you can say it's fraud, but what fraud? Well, they've, 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 which we've talked about, obviously, if they've convinced me of things using words that I thought were opposite and they knew what it meant and they knew what I meant. Ignorance, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Sarah ought to know what she is, shouldn't she? Uh, Not when they are doing it in this fashion. This is a fraudulent because it's not, ignorance of the law maybe, but not if you have to, um, this is where I think it, it, I don't know, but I'm just saying if you have to know all the tricks, because it's a trick. It's not just not knowing the law. They're tricking people. It's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. And here is the statement I'm going to make. Fraud isn't fraud until it's discovered. Okay. It, it hadn't been fraud until you know it's fraud. Okay. So now that we know it's fraud and we tell them in the right way, we all recognize it. See, they recognize this. Go ahead. Once you know it's fraud, and once a few people have already identified it as fraud, why does everybody have to individually identify it as fraud in order for us to be able to say this is BS and just get rid of it? Because it's an individual thing when they ask you those questions and you agree to it. Oh, yeah, I agree you're fraud. You can govern me. 
You just got to, it can't be done wholesale. It's got to be done individually. But see, I think it can be. It's just like if we decide that it can be. Well, well it can be, but we got to spread the word and have everybody take individual action. This is just like your spirituality, okay? I mean, I've never told anybody to do this, never. Okay. And the reason why is because it's not my place to tell you what system of law you want to live under. That's your decision. Because well, you're the one that's got to suffer any consequences, good or bad, from it. Well, I'm not I gonna think... tell you to do it. I, well... My job here is to tell you you've got a choice that you didn't know that you had and explain it to you, hopefully where you'll have enough confidence to take the action that you need to take should you want to get out of it. But I'm not going to tell you to do it. Well, I don't think you should have to study your whole life before you understand it because that's, you know, because anybody who's young would not be able to be free. I think as an, when enough people understand this, we can eliminate it for the others. It's... That's why, that's why I'm on the Sarah Westall show today. That's why I've been <laughs> wanting to get on the Sarah Westall platform for some time because of the audience that you with much care and concern and sincerity have gendered over a long period of time. And I know the people, I think that type of people mentally that listen to you and tune into you for those reasons. And what we're going to do is put this in front of them today and they can make their own choice. Okay. Well, let's see what you have. I should let you talk because I know you have some amazing okay. ways right. of looking at it. So keep. Well, but I had to get that out because these are things that have been really bugging me because I do think we can help people. We there's people who are sitting ducks and especially the young people. It's you. It does. It takes you years before you start thinking this way. And that if if it takes you that long to understand it, then. It, it it's it's really it's fraud but it's fraud baked into the tricks and it's it's tricking it's, somebody to be a slave when they can't even they don't have the tools to even undo it and so that we can uh, we can our make enemy. it legal but keep going keep going that's that's our enemy in the way we think and this is sun tzu you can't defeat an enemy like this unless you know how they think and that's a lot of the reason that our community has had so little success over such a long period of time i've been in this rodeo 30 years okay and so i know i've seen most of the gurus i've heard most of them etc cetera, etc cetera. and i've got a lot of things that i've concluded over the time over the years, but I know that we're right here. And the reason I know we're right is because we've been proffering this approach to the head guy and the head guy in charge of all matters concerning citizenship in the United States is the secretary of state of the United States of America. The reason he's got that authority and responsibility is because since the start of the country, he's always been the guy that has been responsible for issuing passports. And in the passport is where the answer application, I found the answer I'd been looking for for 15 years. Okay, that's where I found the answer. Uh, and the reason I had not been able to find it is because they take a concept and they put different labels on it. Yep. You know, I can, I can show you at least five different labels that they put on this one concept of free person. Okay? To make you all confused. And so our people go chasing yeah, and they go chasing labels, which you're never going to find the answer to that are all the same thing. And if you con if you concentrate on the conceptual behind it and what the concepts are, then it makes identifying it real easy. Let me give you an example of that. I, I want your agreement here if I can get it, Sarah. Okay. There's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. Uh, I would think so. Although I think that an indentured servant is some that is something in between, but go ahead. Well, indentured servant's a slave. You've, you, 
indentured servant, you've volunteered into being a slave. That's voluntary servitude. Well, I think voluntary. Okay, I don't need to get technical. I was going to say voluntary servitude is a little bit different than being a slave because somebody can unvolunteer themselves out of it, whereas a slave, you're stuck. That's correct. It's it's called the it's called the English variety of slavery. Okay, now let's go back to the feudal system. Here, here's a great question for you, Sarah. I'm not a good person to answer questions. Go ahead. (laughs) Tell tell us everything you know about the feudal system. Nothing. Not enough to be. <laughs> well, be... well then, go ahead. Well then, how can you identify the system we're in if you don't even know anything about it? I told you I'm super ignorant. That's why you're here. No, well, I'm going to educate you. Okay. I'm educate you in the audience <laughs> too, because most people don't know it. You know, we saw Kunta Kinte with Roots. We saw Shogun for five nights when I was a kid, but we never did see anything on the feudal system. I wonder. Well, a little bit. I remember watching right. the farmers uh, and stuff, but I had no clue. You know, South America. You know where you saw the feudal system in Monty Python's Holy Grail? Monty Python's Holy Grail. Had, <laughs> he, his, he had a bunch of feudal it's stuff. Sort of, yeah. Okay. And so, it, well, it's very interesting. Well, it's got a thousand years of legal precedent. Man, four, like, four times longer than our country's been in existence. So it ain't chopped chicken liver here we're dealing with. We got a thousand years of established legal precedent. Okay, so how did it develop? First of all, the feudal system developed from the downfall of Rome, particularly the Western Roman Empire. As it was stretched out over around the Mediterranean into Spain and the Goths and the Visigoths came down from Europe and they started attacking Rome in the way that they would isolate is they'd go in and cut off the roads to the towns. Mm hmm. And so the people in the towns, they didn't put them under siege, you know. Well, as they learned to what their tactics were, and they would, people would get out of the town, well, where would they go? They'd either jump in the Mediterranean or else they'd go inland. And most of the land was owned by Roman generals, okay. And so they'd go to the Roman generals, they'd say, help, help, we need protection, the Visigoths are here. And he goes, well, if I can get your allegiance to help me protect this, I'll give you protection. And that's where the feudal system started. And that's the formula for jurisdiction protection for allegiance allegiance for protection it's the relationship between a liege man and his liege lord you know you've seen in movies where the guy hits his chest yes my liege yes my liege okay that's the lord of the manor the liege and it's that relationship a liege man to a liege lord that is the jurisdictional relationship today and what we do is we change the words a little bit and we say if you receive the benefit you owe the duty same thing Okay, different words. So that system developed, and it was mainly in Europe for a long time. And then in 1066, a guy named the Duke of Normandy, Mm -hmm. William the Conqueror, came over and he conquered England. He, he was a, he was an heir to the English throne, and that's what that battle was called, the Battle of Hastings. It was on the southern part of England, and this is the wildest story, Sarah. And so they're fighting this battle, who's going to control England, and William the Conqueror is losing. And one of his guys has one arrow left, and he takes it and shoots it arbitrarily into the air. It comes down, and it hits King Harold on the other side, slap in the eye, and he drops dead on the spot. Oh, wow. One arrow, arbitrarily shot, changed the history of the planet. That's okay. amazing. And okay. when he dropped dead, all all of his men freaked out and left, and William the Conqueror conquered England. 
Now, when he got a hold of England, he came over from where the feudal system was well established on the continent of Europe from France, and he imposed that over the English common law. And that's why there's two different kinds of English common law. There's the Anglo-Saxon common law, which is pre-1066, and there's the English common law, which is post-1066, which, because it was brought over from the continent of Europe, included feudalism. And that's how feudalism got onto the island of England. Oh, wow. Okay. okay? And it became the English variety of slavery. All right. Now, in that system, there was two types. They're called serfs. All right. And mm -hmm. the women were called knaves. The men were called villains and the women were called knaves. And you can go to Black's Law Dictionary and it's got a French spelling, V-I-L-L-E-I-N, villain. But the English pronounced it villain. All right. So if you go to the law dictionary, you got to go to the right spelling, V-I-L-L-E-I-N. And there's a number of different villains listed there. But we think the one that they're using here in this uh, modern era is called a villain regardant. And if you look at the definition of a villain regardant to the right, it says a villain attached to the land, that means property, and transferable by deed. So he was property, and he could be transferred, according to Black's Law Dictionary and a thousand years of legal precedent. Okay, that becomes very important as we go forward. All right. Okay. And so that is the system that they've imposed on us. Now there was two types of villains. There was an involuntary villain serf, and there was a voluntary villain serf. The difference was the involuntary serf was much akin to the black slave in our country. Okay, and there was only one, they were in it, and they were in it flat. There was only one way they could get out of that condition, and that was if they were bastards. Because if they were a bastard, there was always a chance they were sired by the Lord of the manor. And just being a bastard could get them out of the condition, and it's the only thing outside of escaping or dying that could get them out of that condition. Oh, I didn't know that. The other side is the, no, no, nobody knows this virtually, okay? Now, the other side is the voluntary surf, which is the side you're very concerned with, okay? And we're all very concerned with because that's the condition we've been put into, all right? That's why this works. So a voluntary surf, now you can go to uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail has got an oath of fealty in it. Uh, or you can go to the web and go to your favorite search engine. And what I'd like for you to put in is this phrase, an oath of fealty. Oath okay. of fealty. I'm putting and it in. That is the way that people, okay, people would volunteer into servitude. And this is what happened. Let's what do you say, say oath of what? Dolly Old England. Fealty? Fealty. F-E-A-L-T-Y. Feel. F-E-A-L-T-Y. Fealty. Oh, okay. Okay. And so... Uh, and so let's say that it was uh, the economy was bad in old England, you jolly London, you got a couple of kids and you're not able to feed them. You talk to the wife, and you, you know, it's real hard where kids are hungry and uh, I, we're going to have to go out and, and volunteer at the manor, you know. And so they'd go out to the manor and they'd see if they would be accepted. And if they were, they would go through this ceremony. The head of the household would bow, kneel on his knees in front of the Lord of the manor. And he would place his hands above his head as if he were praying. The Lord of the manor would put his hands over the serf's hands. It was witnessed by the other serfs of the manor because it's a contract. 
and they were witnesses to the contract, and the incoming serf would pledge his body and all of his worldly goods to the lord of the manor. His body as property, and because now he's the object of ownership, property rights from the lord of the manor, he can't own property, so he's got to pledge the rest of all of the property he does own to the lord of the manor too. Property can't own property, okay? You can possess property, you can control property, but you can't own it. That's why you've got a certificate of title on your car. That's why your house is on the property rolls, and even though it's paid off, if you don't pay the taxes, they'll sell it on the courthouse steps because you're an object of someone's property rights, and you can't own property. Oh, that okay. makes sense now? Because property can't own property. All right. But you as a person could, but Correct. you're... You... Oh, because now this is where it's well, different. Well, there's a where... whole other sticky wicket. Now, wait well, a minute. Is this where it's different than I the way you... you what, you know, what? Okay, go ahead. Is this the different than from what you, how you define it? Because the feudal system is different than the birth certificate stuff, which is the same thing, I guess, but you, well, sure. you, the person versus people of the land. How does that come okay. in with people? Well, let's get into well, this is a very, This ahead. is very important. You've got to realize that we're working on two different levels. We're working on a conceptual level. They are. We're working on a colloquial level. And the difference is how we assign these definitions to these important words. Okay? Okay. So if I say, Sarah, that sure is a nice car you've got out there. It Obviously, it's paid for. Is that car your property? Yeah. And you're going to say, yeah. Okay. Well, technically, colloquially, on the level we work on, that's correct. But if you go into court and start talking like that, it's not correct at all. Because, you see, property is not a thing. Property is a right in and to a thing. So your property right is the property right of ownership in and to the car, and legally the car is called a thing. Okay. So see the difference? Mm-hmm. All right. Person. You mentioned the person word. This is my litmus test for patriot researchers. What's the legal concept behind the meaning of the word person? I've never had an American answer it correctly, by the way, in 30 years. I had well, one it's a corporation. Correctly was my attorney. Not, well, it can be, but it's not necessarily. It's an entity. See, and that's the answer. That oh, can be owned. Fiction. It's, an in, it's an entity to whom the law ascribes rights and duties. Okay, so the whole thing operates under, this probably not wouldn't have been where I was going, but you're asking the question, so let's go there, all right? The formula that rules the world, because I had a great law teacher, okay? Only reason I know this. The formula that rules the world is R plus D equals R. Pretty simple. It's a lot simpler than E equals MC squared, okay? R plus D equals R stands for rights plus duties equal remedies. And notice that remedies over on the right side is equal to both rights and duties on the left side. First, first observation. And so that formula determines what a legal person is. And the way it does is it goes by that definition that I just gave you. You hit part of it. It's pretty unusual anybody hits, hits any of it, Sarah. So I got to tip my hat to you. An <laughs> entity 
to whom the law ascribes rights and duties. So the 14th Amendment says all persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein, that re wherein they reside. Now, does that mean all persons? When it says all persons born or naturalized, is that everybody? Or does that mean all legal persons? And if it means all legal persons, which it does because it's a legal context, how do they determine what legal person that is? It's where you get your rights and owe your duties. So if I don't get any civil rights from the 14th Amendment, I don't know any correlative duties, and I'm not that legal person. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. Well, if I get my rights from the ecclesiastical body of law and I'm a Catholic, then I owe my duties to the, to the bishop, right? And et cetera, et cetera. So you, it, that's what a person is, is where you get your rights and owe your duties. And you can be more than one person. You can be a person under the 14th Amendment. You can be a person in, in, in equity. You can be a person in some of these other bodies of law. But that is what a person is. And if I don't get any rights, civil rights or otherwise, from the 14th Amendment, I owe no correlative duties because there's a plus sign, and they're together on the left side of that equation. And what are the duties? Oh, adhering to any administrative uh, state agency regulations, uh, any taxes except 871B and 877B, which are constitutional, uh, any any driving stuff that where the, all the traffic laws are written for residents. I don't know any duties to any of those. They don't apply to me. See how important that is? Well, I think this is where things get really confusing for people because this is where you're saying oh, that there's two brains. There's two ways they're using the same word for two different things. It's take, it took me a long time to understand that person wasn't just who, who I am. Correct. Well, like, again, colloquially, that works, but legally it doesn't. Yeah. Okay? Here, I had a, one of the gals, was some pizzeria owner, the other day in these farcical trials in D.C. on the January 6th oh, thing. Gosh, yeah. And they were bringing her up for something, and she goes, I'm not a person. I'm a sovereign citizen. It's <laughs> your term. I'm not a person. Well, that ain't going to fly. She's back in jail. You can't, you, everybody's a person. It depends. It's not, am I a person? It's which person am I? <laughs>